Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being with us. We are in week number six of our series called Stay Positive, which, man, has been such a gift to me in this season of a pandemic, of an election cycle, of social unrest with so much going on. I've been thankful for the opportunity to choose to stay positive. In fact, I want to take just a moment before uh, I get into my content today to talk to uh, say thank you to our uh, staff, our pastoral staff that took opportunities to share from their heart. In fact, uh, as I'm sharing, sharing a thank you here, if you enjoyed hearing uh, from Pastor Tim, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Laney, or Pastor Derek, if you enjoyed hearing from them, please share in the comments just a thank you. Maybe, maybe even share something that meant something to you. I know last week I took such inspiration from uh, Pastor Derek's message talking about getting your passion back, the, the, the thought of just knowing that if I just return to doing what I once did, that passion that was absent from before will return. And man, I began on Monday doing something that I was, I had stopped doing to get my passion back. So thank you, Derek. Thank you to the rest of the team. It's such a gift to us to hear from you. Again, specifically during this season where man, every temptation is to not be positive, especially with the pandemic and the cases that are rising and the talks of even more shutdowns and what that will look like in the future. It just seems to be going on and on and on. And yet we have hope and yet we have joy and we can choose to stay positive. So today, what I want to do is talk to you about a mindset. There are two mindsets specifically that I want to address because as we've gone through this season, through the pandemic, through the election cycle, through the social unrest, there has been a a bit of a paradox that has presented itself. What I mean by a paradox is just two opposing sides that seem to kind of cancel each other out. Because some people have looked at this season and have said that there's too much hate and not enough love, that there are too many needs and not enough jobs, that there is too much fear and not enough peace. And yet, there are some people who have looked at this season and said, no, in this season, there's much to celebrate. In this season, yes, there's bad stuff going on, but there's things like people are still saying yes to Jesus. The gospel is spreading across the world at a rapid pace during the season. Even here at Simple Church, week after week, people are saying yes to Jesus in our online campus. Man, that's just a powerful thing. Also, generosity is not only continuing, but it's increasing. Man, month over month, year over year, as we've compared them, and we can't even figure it out, but the generosity has increased 30 to 40% every single month. In these uncertain times, that's something to celebrate, that God is moving in your hearts to increase in your generosity. In addition to that, not just generous with your funds, but generous with your time. This season, people have been looking more than ever for an opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives in the middle of our community. It's been incredible things that we have the opportunity to celebrate. Now, which side or which way you see things, which mindset you have determines uh, how you approach life. Because if you have this mindset of specifically a scarcity mindset, which is like a a mindset of of a fear of things that are running and going to run out, or you approach life from a, a posture 
of plenty. The way you see things will affect how you think. And how you think will either increase or limit the opportunities that God will present to you to make a difference here on earth. So which mindset do you have? Do you have a scarcity mindset where, where everything's going bad, nothing's good enough? Or do you have the abundance mindset? I'll tell you the best test for the scarcity or the abundance mindset is actually money. Because how you think about it and how you operate with it is very revealing. I can look at your spending habits. I can look at the way that you interact with money and determine whether you have an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset. Here's why I know that. Because scarcity and abundance start in the mind long before the wallet. So let's take a look at these two mindsets. First, what does the word scarcity mean? Let's take a look at that. Scarcity mindset says that there's not enough. This mindset means that you view everything in life as there's not enough, there isn't enough, there won't be enough, there can't be enough. It's that, that oh, woe is me. It's, it is a negative outlook on how things are going. The prophet Haggai described a scarcity mindset when he said this in uh, Haggai 1 verse 6. He says, you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm, which we get that in, in this office all the time. Every time we have a staff meeting in here, there's one or two staff members that come in, and I'm sitting there sweating, and the other one is freezing. Like, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. He says, and he earns, and he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Now, I don't know if you can relate with that or not, that, that man, you work and work and work and work and you get your paycheck and the government gets their halves and the mortgage gets their halves and, and the creditors get their half. And, and, and all of a sudden you've given all your halves out. You've got nothing left, man. That is a difficult thing, but scarcity, scarcity isn't just a mindset. I need you to understand that scarcity is also a cycle. Let me share it with you. This is what we call the scarcity cycle. And it starts with, every cycle like this starts with God provides. He supplies all of our needs, right? God provides, and then we consume it. So we take what God has given us, we consume it. We eat it, we spend it, we consume it. And then the result of that scarcity cycle is we lack. So we've consumed what he gave us, and we lack and because we lack, with a scarcity mindset, we fear, and therefore we medicate and even consume more, and then we lack, and then we fear, and we consume because we're medicating, and then we lack, we fear. It's a cycle. And it becomes a cycle that we have to learn to step out of. If you don't believe me, consider the toilet paper run of 2020. This right here, this is a regular picture of what was happening in every community across the country. Why? Why did this happen? Well, because we consumed, we lacked, and then I would say this one in particular started with fear. Now, this fear was a completely irrational fear because it doesn't even make sense to me that this toilet paper run because I think the historians are going to talk about this years from now. 
And the thing is, is that you need to understand COVID-19 is a respiratory virus. That means it has to do with your lungs, not the, not the other end of your body, not either end, right? It has to do with your lungs. And people were making a run on toilet paper. My personal experience, I went to six stores in one evening looking for toilet paper and all the shelves, all of them were completely empty except for them like those, those, uh, those wipes, you know, they're kind of like baby wipes, but they're like the disposable toilet paper wipes. People didn't want those apparently. They had those in droves. But the regular toilet paper, maybe because they are so expensive, this is all gone. And the historians are going to talk about this and talk about the toilet paper run of 2020. And the students that are listening are going to believe that it was the great, great uh, disease that caused cobbywobbles. Yeah, that's right. Collywobbles. That's a nice word for diarrhea. They're going to believe it was the great diarrhea run of 2020, right? And that's not the case at all. This didn't make any sense. And yet, we feared. There was never a lack of toilet paper. There was never a threat that we weren't going to have toilet paper. And yet, we stepped into, we had a scarcity mindset. Somehow, we got convinced that there wasn't going to be enough. And we feared and we made a run, we consumed, and we lacked. A lot of people tried to return that toilet paper. We emptied the shelves and created an actual situation for many people. In my house, my son worked at, a, at one of those warehouse stores where they sold them in big bulk. And he said that they kept a pallet back for all their employees to be able to make purchases because they couldn't make purchases off the floor. So every time they got a new shipment of toilet paper, they held some back. And I asked my son to get some, not because we needed them at my house, but because we were rationing them out to people that needed them, like gold. We sent them across the country to different people, said, you need toilet paper? We got toilet paper. Like we, we felt like this was one of the greatest ways to respond and love people in this time of craziness, in this season that didn't make any sense to us. Scarcity. And here's the thing. This scarcity mindset that exists within us, God did not call us to live out a scarcity mindset. He called us to live an abundance mindset. So what is an abundance mindset? Well, an abundance mindset says that there's more than enough. That no matter what happens, we'll make it work. We've got more than enough. Paul said this uh, about God and where this mindset comes from in Ephesians 3.20. He said this, Now all glory to God who is able. I like that verse because God is able. Through his mighty power at work. Where? Within us. Right? So this mighty power that makes God able is at work within us to accomplish, watch this, infinitely. Now you know infinitely, right? That means that there is no end to it. It just keeps going on and on. If you had a line stretching out in front of you that was infinite, it would never end. It never ends to accomplish infinitely more. So not like more, like, you know, if you imagine like 10 rolls of toilet paper and God can do 10 more than that, that's not an infinite number of more. We're talking about a number that you can't even fathom, something that you can't even think. In fact, that's what scripture says. He says the mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That means if you can imagine it, God is beyond it. God is beyond it. His creative powers that are at work within us are beyond what you can imagine or think. That's some powerful stuff. That's why 
that with God, a scarcity mindset is fake news. It is not true. It cannot be true that if God is with you, that you walk in a scarcity mindset because you understand the abundance that simply is God. And that abundant power is at work within us. That's a powerful thing. God's power can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now, that's not rational. I get that. It doesn't need to make sense because, see, this is the part of God being God, right? Because if you can make sense of God, then that's a very small-minded or a very small God because that means you can wrap your head around him. That would make you God. The very nature of God is that you will not understand certain parts about God. This is one of them, that infinite power that is available to us and is that work at work within us. That doesn't need to make sense to us. It's what makes God, God. We just need to trust him. Now, I love that, that at Simple Church here, we've been in uncertain times. And yet, your generosity has continued to grow. You've had an abundance mindset. In fact, we're doing this holiday hope uh, campaign where we are helping people through the Christmas season to identify their need. And we've had, a, we've had families identify 100 kids in our community that have needed help with Christmas this year. And I I recently got the numbers and I heard that 86 of those 100 kids have already been sponsored. That means somebody said, I'm gonna buy a kid a present up to $50 or a multitude of presents up to $50 and bless them this Christmas season. That means that there are 14 more kids. In fact, I'm, I'm sure somewhere in the chat or somewhere here in the links in the descriptions of this video is a link for Holiday Hope. If you wanna be one of the people, the 14 kids, that need to be sponsored. If you want to have an abundance mindset and step out and say, man, I'm going to do this, we, we could really use the help. 14 more kids need sponsored. That's it for us to cover 100% of the 100 kids that, that were identified uh, in this season. But I love, I love that I know that just sharing that, I know that those kids are going to be taken care of. Why? Because at our church, I know that you operate from an abundance mindset. I'm so proud to be your pastor because you operate this way. But I need you to understand that as we talk about abundance and as we talk about scarcity, abundance has nothing to do with the amount of money that is in the bank. It has everything to do with the God we serve and how we think, right? Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, scarcity, and kill, scarcity, and destroy, scarcity. He said, I came, so this is why Jesus is here, I came that they say, say, that's me. In fact, over in the comments say, that word they, they talk about me. Say that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, there's this full and fulfilled life that God wants you to have, and it's only found in him. It's found in him. He wants you to have a life and a mindset and life of abundance. So you say, all right, Aaron, I hear you. If that's for me, and you're here today, and you've been walking with this scarcity mindset, or maybe you've even got an abundance mindset, but you know that this season has been uncertain. You know that this season has been crazy, and you are tempted to not stay positive, to, to be negative, to step into a mindset of scarcity. You say, Aaron, how do I inoculate myself against a scarcity mindset? Well, 
I've got a very cool story that I'm going to share with you. It's found in, in the Old Testament. That's the first half of your Bible. It's everything that happened before Jesus came. <clears throat> and it's found in 2 Kings chapter 4. So let's take a look. It says this. A certain woman, the widow of one of the guild prophets, cried out to Elisha. My husband, your servant, is dead. Now let me just pause for a second. Elisha was one of the prophets of prophets. He was a big prophet during that day. And you can see that she belonged, her husband belonged to one of the guild prophets. So he's one of the, the, the smaller, the lowercase prophets. The prophets, their names didn't even get mentioned, right? But she cried out to Elisha, my husband, your servant is dead. So her husband's passed on. And you know that he revered the Lord. Yet now his creditor has come to take my two children into servitude. Let me go to the next verse. And Elisha answered her, what am I to do for you? And watch this. He doesn't even give her a chance to answer. It doesn't say that he waited for a response. He said, tell me what you got in the house. And she replied, this servant of yours has nothing in the house but a jug of oil. She's like, I ain't got nothing. I got, the, I got a vase. I got a vessel filled with oil. That's all I've got. Now, let me give you some context on this and what is going on and why she is approaching Elisha this way. Because in this season, those that were followers of, of uh, Yahweh, of the one and true God, they were under heavy persecution by the king at that time. And as a result, uh, they, they, they were, Israel was celebrating prophets of Baal and false gods. And, and so uh, those that, that were followers of the one true God were persecuted in this season. And she's like, hey, here's the deal. My husband was a prophet of God. He was faithful in this season of persecution and trial and tribulation. And now he's gone and the creditors are coming. So he must have owed money to somebody, maybe for the house, maybe for, maybe there was a famine in the land and he borrowed some, some money to get some food. We don't know, but we know he owed. And she said, the creditors are coming. And her fear was that her two children we're going to be taken away into slavery because under Mosaic law, which is what governed the Jewish people of this time, that if a debt needed to be settled, then someone could be taken for a specific amount of time to do work as a slave in order to settle that debt. It's not that they would be a slave forever. It's that they would be a slave for a certain amount of time, mainly like a servant or a family member in someone else's home until that debt was settled. And we settled and we see that throughout Old Testament scripture and that playing out. And she was afraid, I've lost my husband. I've lost everything. We've walked through this trial. It almost sounds like she's talking to Elisha and she's a little mad at God, which I completely understand. I don't know if you've ever been there before or you can relate. Like where you didn't like God, I am faithful. I'm a tither. I show up to church every Sunday. I serve in the kids ministry team. I'm in a grow group. I'm doing this. I gave this. And I, you just start listing all the good things that you've done. And, and all because you feel like God owes you something. And you are a little bit upset. Come on, somebody. Share with me in the comments if you've ever been there and had one of those kind of difficult conversations with God. I know that I have. And that's the situation. That is what has been going on. She feels like she got nothing. She's got a scarcity mindset. Her kids were going to be taken as slaves. And if you find yourself there today and you're in a desperate situation, kind of like the widow is, I'm going to give you three principles today of God's provision that will help you get into an abundance mindset 
and inoculate you against a, a scarcity mindset. So here we go. The first one is, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down too. Don't diminish what you have. Don't, don't diminish what you have. Don't look at what you have in your hands right now and say that it's nothing. Don't say that the amount of influence, don't say that the amount of time, don't say that the amount of finances, opportunities, favor, relationships, don't look at what you have now and call it nothing. Don't diminish what you have. She said, I've got nothing. Don't look at what you have as not enough. In the hands of God, your nothing, well, he'll bless it and he'll make it something. And you need to believe that. And that's why you can look at what you consider nothing as something. Look at what the widow said. She replied, this servant has nothing in the house but a jug of oil. Don't do this. Don't diminish what you have. But you see, both mindsets are present here in this request from Elisha. The abundance mindset, Elisha knows that she's in a bit of a situation. He understands that her sons are about to be taken. He understands that she owns money and that she's coming to him to talk to him. And he asked him, asked her, what do you have in the house? What do you got? Because he's got this abundant mindset that what she had would be sufficient. But her response is the scarcity mindset where she's fixated on what she didn't have, on what she was afraid of happening. She said, I have nothing. And if you spend more time complaining about your problems, fixating on your issues, more time doing that than you are being thankful for your blessings, then I'm here to tell you that God can and will set you free if you're open to that. You need to be free from a scarcity mindset. You have more good in your life than you give yourself credit for. It's a scarcity mindset. And understand that this mindset is a choice. Let's go on. Second thing is, God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. That little thing that you've called nothing, that little thing that you don't think amounts to anything, is what God will do something huge with. He does more with a little, kind of like a farmer. I think if a farmer ever looked at a seed and doubted its ability to produce a crop, then he would never, ever sow it into the ground. He would hold on to it. He might eat it. He might sell it to try to make his, meet his needs. But he certainly wouldn't give it up. He certainly wouldn't put it into the ground. But if a farmer sees that small seed and says, this thing is small, but it has great potential. If I put it into the ground, then and only then can he reap a harvest. That's what he has to do. He has to sow that seed in faith. So here's the scene, right? She's, she's at home. She's panicking. She's fearful her kids might be taken. And in verse three, Elijah says this, he said, go out and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. So this is after she said, I got nothing. I got this little bit of oil. I got, I got a vessel of oil. He said, go out and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. As many empty vessels as you can. Then come back and close the door on yourself and your children. Elisha's saying, I'm not even going to be there. He said, pour the oil into all the vessels. And as each is filled... Set it aside. 
So she went out, she closed the door on herself and her children, and as they handed her the vessels, she would pour in oil. This woman who said, I've got nothing, she said, I've got enough oil to garnish a side salad. That's all I've got. Turns into a room filled with vessels that are full of oil. And this is an, an, an extravagant thing that God does. Because God often does the extravagant through things that seem insignificant. You say, why would he do that? For his glory. For your benefit and for his glory. He gets credit when he shows up and turns something beautiful out of nothing. When he does the extravagant. Scripture doesn't call us to have faith the size of the galaxy. It doesn't even call us to have faith the size of a Chipotle burrito, which that dim's big, boys. Dim's big. He calls us to have faith the size of a mustard seed, which if I had a mustard seed in my hand, you would not be able to see it on camera. They are so small and insignificant. The faith that we are to call for is a small dab of faith. And that small dab of faith will move mountains. God does more with little. You see this with Jesus. Jesus is on a boat with his disciples. And you see this in Matthew 16. And he's talking to them about bread. And he's got another lesson about it, which I don't have time to go into right now. But his disciples start worrying and they're panicked. They're like, oh, is he talking to us about this because we didn't bring enough bread? And Jesus addresses their faith. He says, hold up. How long have you been with me? Weren't you with me when I fed the multitudes, the 4,000, with seven loaves of bread and a few fish? He said, weren't you with me when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish? You see the numbers of the amount, the provision that was provided initially is going down. And he said, and after that 4,000, didn't you collect seven baskets of leftovers? And after the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes, how many leftovers did you have? You had 12 baskets of leftovers. This is more than the last one, and they had less to begin with. He said, didn't bring enough bread. He said, where's your faith? I can do more with little, and I will do more with little. It's powerful. It is powerful. We cannot diminish what God has given us. Don't call what you have nothing. God does the extravagant with what seems insignificant to us. No other principle in, throughout Scripture illustrates this better than the tithe. The tithe is, is literally this. It is where God calls us to give 10%. That's what tithe means. It means a tenth. It's 10% and to give it first before we do anything else. That means when we get paid, Whenever our paycheck comes in, we take the first part and we give it to God. That honors him and, and we give 10%, right? This, this principle of the tithe that's found in scripture predates the Old Testament law for those of you that want to argue with me. And it's also for us today. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament that, that it's something we ought to be doing. But tithing teaches us to trust God. It's just 10%. It's a little we call it first and ten around here. But this, this little bit that we trust God with and we honor him by giving it to him first. Scripture says that God's going to do this with it. In Malachi 
3 verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now the storehouse back then was the Old Testament temple and today it's the modern day church. That there may be food in my house. In other words, God's concern about there being provision in his house, in the Old Testament temple then and in the church today. He says, test me in this, which by the way, maybe you grew up in church and you heard that, man, you ought not tempt God. You ought not test God, excuse me, is what I meant to say. And yes, that is true. This is the only time God gives us permission to do it. In fact, he tells us to do it. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, he's like, if you'll take a step of faith, if you'll give your tithe, your 10% first, before you pay anything else, and you make sure it's a tenth of whatever comes into your hands, he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, this ain't just about your money. This is about so much blessing that you can't even store it. It's the supernatural. It is the power of God that wants to flow into your life in this abundance in a way that you can't even contain it. In other words, that God's not just trying to give you a whole bunch of stuff so that you can have stuff. God wants to bless you in abundance so that you can give it to others and be a blessing to others. God wants to supply you and the church to live on the mission that he's called you for. You say, well, Aaron, if God was concerned about stuff in his house, if he wanted to have supply there, why didn't he give us a dollar amount that each house should have? In other words, say, everybody has to give this dollar amount. Well, because if he did that, that would rule some people out. If that amount was $10,000 every month, it would rule out a lot of people. And that's just a crazy number that I'm throwing out. It, certain, it certainly isn't that. Everybody can't give an amount, but everybody can give a percent. Your kid can participate off of their $5 a week allowance that they get. They can give 10% of that. Your fixed, somebody on a fixed income can participate because they can give 10%. Somebody making minimum wage at Chick-fil-A, serving the Jesus chicken. Come on, somebody. It is their pleasure to give. They can participate. All people can participate. The amount isn't important because God does incredible things with little. Remember this. You're nothing is often God's something. So if you're looking at your 10th, your 10% of what it is you make and say, how is this ever going to make a difference? That's not your call. Your call is to be obedient. It's to step into that place where you give first and you give 10%. And you be obedient and watch not only what God will do with your 10%, but what he'll do with your 90. Because this faith requires you to believe that God will do more with the 90% that he lets you keep than you could ever do with the 100% that you hold on to yourself. It might look like a little, but it's not. <clears throat> your nothing is often God's something. That's why we can't diminish what we have. God does extravagant through the insignificant. Here's the last principle. This is the third one. God's abundance often follows faith. God's abundance will follow your steps of faith. Watch this in verse 6. The widow with the nothing amount of oil. Remember, she's in her house. <clears throat> doors closed. The prophet Elisha is not with her. And she's pouring out this oil into all these vessels. And as much as so she's got vessels, that oil, that little bit, that she had to garnish a side salad, keeps on pouring. That's the miracle. 
And in verse 6, it says, when all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he answered, there's none left. And that's then, that's the moment, the oil stopped. Let, let me show you what this looked like. She had a vessel just like this. And she filled it with, it, it, it had the oil in it. She had a vase. And she had her son, he brought her. He brought her a vessel and said, here you go, mom. And she took it and she poured into that vessel. And her son came up and said, hey, mom, I got another one over here. And she took that, 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 that vase, that oil vase, and there was oil in it again. And so she poured out. And then her son said, hey, mom, I got another one. He brought her another one. And she looked inside, and there's oil in there again. And she pours out again. Her other son came in and said, mom, I found another one. So she takes that vessel, and she pours Again. Mama got another. And as long as they had vessels, that oil kept refilling and she could pour again from her vase. And I'm telling you, this is the miracle that God wants to do in your life. Your little can become a lot if you're just willing to pour? Are you willing to take what you think is insignificant? Are you willing to take the small that you have and pour and see what God will do with it? It takes faith, but it takes putting God first and it takes honoring the amount that he said to fill up all these cups. Once she ran out, just like I did, Water stopped pouring, or the oil stopped pouring. And then we see what happens in verse 7. It says, she went and told the man of God who said, go sell all the oil to pay off your creditor. What remains, you and your children can live on. See, Elisha wasn't even there because if he was there, he might have got credit for all of it. She was behind closed doors and this miracle happened. It was a personal miracle that happened for her. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe what you need to know right now is that God sees you and he's going to show up in a personal way for you. And whatever your need is, if you're willing to take a step of faith, God personally provided for her and he'll personally provide for you. Now we like this story of provision, but we want it to happen in reverse. Before we decide to pour, we want God to fill up all of our vessels, but that's not how God works. God requires you to take that little bit and he requires you to take a step of faith and to pour first. There's so many people, well, I, will, I would tithe if... I would put God first in my finances when? When I get my debt paid down. When I get married. After we pay off the house. After I get things in order. I've got these student loans. Listen, you are never ever going to be able to afford to tithe until you choose to tithe. To take that step of faith. It's what breaks the curse in your life. But we want the abundance before we pour out. God, give me more, then I'll do it. I'll sponsor a kid in the holiday hope if you'll give me more now. And that's not how it works. If God's been speaking to your heart about stepping out and sponsoring a kid in the holiday hope, maybe you just, that's your step of faith. Maybe you need to do that so that you can experience God's provision for your life. Pouring first teaches you to trust him. 
And over and over throughout scripture, that's what God is calling us to do, is to trust him in new and different ways. And with your finances, this is a specific one. He wants you to trust him, not money, not stuff, not success, him. And God will wait. That's who he is. He's, he's a patient God. Thank God that he's patient. He'll wait until you have the faith to pour. Because here's the thing I know. God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. He wants you to trust him and experience the beauty of trusting him by pouring out. Some of you are in a season of scarcity. You're fearful and pouring first scares you. And I understand that. But you don't make it to abundance until you choose to step out of a scarcity mindset. It's your choice to get out of that cycle. And I understand that if you have got nothing like the widow, faith is all you've got. For some of you, you're not in a scarcity season. You've got a lot. And as a result of having a lot and an uncertain future, you're like, I'm going to hold on to more. Give, pour out, no way. I'm going to work even harder. I'm going to get to the next highest level of wealth. And it's even harder for you because faith is not your issue. You've got lots of stuff. You've got lots of stuff to trust in. You've got lots of money in the bank. You've got lots of success. You've got lots of degrees. You've got lots of stuff. You've got the big house and the boats. And yet, God is calling for you to have faith and to pour. Both people, those with little and those with a lot, have a scarcity mindset. And to step out of it, you must learn to pour. Both of you have a choice. And one remedy to get out of this scarcity mindset is to begin to pour. Not just in your finances, but to pour in your life, to pour in your prayer time, to pour in, out compassion, to pour out, of course, in your finances, your, your treasure, of your, of your time, of your talents. Just, just pour. Choose to pour. The God of more will refill. And here's the thing you need to know. Man, if you start pouring, some of you think you might be able to outgive God. You can't do that. It's not possible. I want you to choose to grow in your faith so that you will be a person who can say, I've got the faith to pour because I belong to the God of more. Some of you need to write that down. Some of you need to tweet that out. Some of you, it needs to be the screensaver on your phone so that you can be reminded that in this season, a scarcity that everybody else is experiencing. You can be walking through it differently. You can be walking through it with a mindset of abundance, with the opportunity and the choice to stay positive. You can't afford not to in this season. That's the thing. Because I believe God wants to do more in you, through you, and for you. If you will pour. If you'll just pour. So honor God with the tithe. Choose to do it first and ten and do it with a joyful heart. Pour out because there's more. Paul calls us to give and to pour and to do it joyfully. He says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that, in, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It goes on. You'll be enriched in every way, not just so that you can be rich, but so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 and 11. It's not about your abundance. 
It's about God, what God wants to do in you, through you, and for you so that you can make a difference in others. You know, this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus had everything. He was enthroned in majesty in heaven. The angels serving his every whim and command, seated in comfort and royalty. And he laid all that down. The Bible describes him and says that he poured out, he poured himself out as a sacrifice for us. He left all of that, walked this earth for 33 years, allowed himself to be brutally murdered, even though he had the power to stop it all with just a word. And yet, he poured out his life. And when Jesus was being stretched out on the cross, before they put the nails in, he didn't say, hey, is anybody going to give their life to me? Is anybody going to trust me if I do this? Because I just want to know. No. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He did it in faith, pouring out his entire life. He gave it all for you and I. My prayer today is that faith would rise in you so that you can pour, (laughs) so that you can step out of the mindset of scarcity and into the lifestyle of abundance. Because my friends, it's one of the ways that in this season, you're going to find that you can stay positive. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that for those of us that are following you today that have gotten caught up in this scarcity mindset, Lord, that you would just set us free. Lord, that you would show us, make us aware of our opportunity and the way that we can step out of a scarcity mindset and a scarcity cycle that we have had ourselves in. Lord, speak to us today. I say convict us, even though that feels like a strong word, I know that it's, that it's the right word. Convict us in our hearts that we can step out and pour. Grow our faith, God. There is more to be experienced. There is a full and fulfilled life that you have for us, and you called us to, in faith, pour. Help us to experience the abundant life that is there available for us. And God, I pray that as we receive that abundance, I pray that you give us wisdom and how to handle that abundance, how to pour it out. Show us how and where and when to make a difference with all that you've given us. Now, there are those of you here today that as we just wrap up this prayer time, that um, you find yourself in a scarcity position right now, that you're in debt. And that debt is simply because of your sin. See, sin robs us and has robbed us. We were all born into sin. The Bible says all of us have sin and all of us were born in sin. We've been robbed of a relationship with God. And the Bible tells us that there is a penalty or a price to pay for the sin we commit, where we just miss the mark. God's missed the mark of God's best for us. That's what sin is. And then when we do that, there's a price that has to be paid, a debt that we owe. And as a result, we can either spend eternity in separation from God in a place called hell, trying to pay that debt. Remember, that's infinite. Eternity is forever. That's how long it'll take us to pay the debt that we owe to a very holy God. Or, or we can accept the gift that Jesus gave us in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Because of him, because of what he poured out, because of what he gave in faith, we can be forgiven of that debt that we owe. We can be made right with God. We can have a relationship that is open with him. 
where you experience the fullness of who he is, you know him in the way that he knows you, and you can walk in this abundant, this full and fulfilled life that God has for you. And if you're listening today and you're like, Aaron, I need that. I need my debt settled. I don't want to pay it forever in separation from God. I want to receive what Jesus has, has done for me on the cross. I want to receive that gift of what we call salvation, forgiveness of your sins, being transformed and being made brand new, given a redo and a, and a fresh start. The Bible says that if you accept this today, that you're made a new creation, that your righteousness, you're in his righteousness, not your own. So if you're ready to do that today, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I would love for you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Fill me today with your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer today, that all of heaven is celebrating with you. Man, we would love to celebrate with you as well in the chat box where you're at. Uh, there is a, a banner that appeared that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Would you click that right now? It should take you to another screen that says that says that there is a digital connect card for you to fill out. If you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or any other uh, place other than our online campus, you'll need to look in the, uh, the video description link. Uh, it says uh, our digital connect card there. You click on that. You can share with us today that you took a step of faith towards Christ. There's also a way for you to get connected with us. We would love to be part of your spiritual journey going forward. Let us either welcome you to our church or help you find one that would fit your needs or where you're at somewhere in the world. Because, man, people around the world are watching. We thank you so much for tuning in. Listen, as we wrap up this time together and we're celebrating the decisions you made today, I want to give you another opportunity to give. There are options coming on the screen, ways that if the Lord is speaking to you to give today, maybe the faith is rising in you and this will be your first time doing that. Man, we celebrate that with you. Maybe you were faithful in your giving before and you kind of during this season have walked away, but faith is rising in you today and you're going to return to that. You're going to do like Pastor Derek talked about last week, man. You're going to get your passion back. You're going to step into the generosity that you know God's called you to do. We celebrate that today. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness. You can give through text. You can give through our app. You can give in the mail if you'd like to as well. We're just so thankful for your faithfulness and all that you are enabling us to do to reach people that are far from God. Teach them to follow Jesus step by step. We love you. We appreciate you so much. We want to make sure that you know uh, next week there is no online service here in our campus. But we will see you in person as we gather at the movies. Can't wait to see you there. Love you guys. We'll see you there. And then the following week, we'll be right here in this online campus with a brand new series. Can't wait.